Good morning. I bring you greetings from the wild frontier of Somerville and the wild frontier of church planting out in Summer's Corner in the ponds. It's really great to be back with you all this morning, and I love the fact that that I get to come back once a month or so and touch base with you all, and one of our clergy gets to go um, out to the church plant and touch base with them. So that's where uh, Corey Kincaid is this morning. He's out there with the church plant. I get to be here with y'all, and um, I'm just blessed, blessed to be back here this morning. We are in the middle of a sermon series on the art of neighboring. Um, we've been going through it now for a few weeks, and we have come today to um, the art of peacemaking. The art of peacemaking. This might be, for some of us at least, one of the most challenging parts about being a good neighbor is, is peacemaking. How do we bring peace into our neighborhoods? How many of your neighborhoods have a Facebook page? Anybody? Keep your hands. Come on, I know more than you all have Facebook pages. Yeah, and maybe you all just aren't on them. Or next door, anybody on next door with their name? Yeah, okay. Um, are these peaceful places? Yeah, maybe, sometimes. It just depends on the neighborhood, perhaps. Um, but, but I'm guessing for most of y'all, it's not always peaceful. We certainly had one, um, one time, there was a, um, you know, it was after the hurricane and there was debris everywhere and we we're piling it up on the street, not, not we personally, but people in general and, you know, and then cars were parking on the street and how do you get around and how do you go through and then there was just this Facebook thread all of a sudden and tensions were high and, and people were, were relatively upset and then all of a sudden somebody just pops in this comment on the Facebook page that, that felt like it de-escalated the whole, whole of Facebook, even if it was just a neighborhood page. They said, if you have a problem, you could be neighborly and go knock on their door. And everybody was like, well, that's a really great idea. And the thought of it was peacemaking in action. Or certainly, if we looked at a bigger neighborhood, if we looked at Somerville in some ways as our neighborhood, we certainly are aware of there's plenty of conflicts and tensions in Somerville that are always seeming to come to a head around this time of year that need peace brought into them. And so the question is, how can we as Christians engage in these conflicts and these tensions in a way that brings glory to God? Because guess what? I have a newsflash for all of you. We are sinful human beings. Even us in this room, it's not like they're sinners and we're not. We are all sinful human beings. And so our neighborhoods and our communities will have conflict. They will have tension. And we need to know how to deal with it. How to engage it in a way that reflects our salvation in Jesus and in a way that brings glory to God. And so, the art of peacemaking. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, first, what, are we even called to be peacemakers? Is this like a legit thing? Well, the answer is yes, it is. Um, we see it in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Um, the Beatitudes in general, they're, they're showing us that following Christ is going to be countercultural. It's going to be different. The blessing that comes in the midst of lives that run count, contrary to the ways of the world. That's, what, that's what's happening. It says, blessed are, and then it says something that is completely contrary to what we're used to seeing, at least for the most part. 
blessing and the beatitude is, is something that comes from a life that is contrary to, to many of the ways of the world. So, so two examples that, that are just make this a little obvious. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the meek, the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. These are the ones that will receive the kingdom and inherit the earth. The meek and the poor in spirit. This is a revolutionary posture. Now, I'm going to paint in some broad brushstrokes here, but, but generally I think it's true. Turn on your television any given day of the week. The people that seem to be making it, the ones who seem to be blessed, they're typically not meek. They're typically not poor in spirit. Unless you're Mr. Rogers, poor in spirit and meekness doesn't get you your own television show, for the most part. It doesn't seem like folks who would run for political office, at least in, in many races, are necessarily meek or poor in spirit. And yet they're the ones we see. This is a countercultural, revolutionary posture that the Beatitudes are describing. And right there, right in the middle of it, you get this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What does it mean to be a countercultural peacemaker? What helps to know what it doesn't mean. A peacemaker is not a peacekeeper. So what I don't want y'all to do is to, to read Scripture and say, blessed are the peacemakers, or to hear me saying, hey, we're called to be peacemakers, and you're thinking, hey, I'm a good peacekeeper. That counts. It's not what we're talking about. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. Peacekeepers attempt to keep the outward perception of peace at all costs. They don't actually keep peace necessarily. They just try to keep conflict at a minimum. That's a peacekeeper. Someone who, who, who doesn't recognize whether there's peace or conflict, that's not their concern. Their concern is that people are being nice to each other. But a peacemaker is different. A peacemaker isn't trying to keep something that is artificially there. A peacemaker is someone who attempts to create peace, to make peace to bring peace into a place where it is absent. That's what a peacemaker does, attempting to, to reconcile parties that are at war with each other. So an example might be years ago in the civil rights conflict, a peacekeeper might be someone who tries to keep things the way they are and, 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 and try, to, try to keep everybody happy even though everything is not um, equal or just. A peacemaker is someone who's going to come in and challenge an unjust system and to bring peace into something where conflict already exists. That's the difference. And so sometimes peacemakers might bring a little bit of conflict because it has to be resolved. And so we, as followers of Christ and citizens of His kingdom, we are called to be peacemakers in our neighborhoods. In our families, in our workplaces, we are called to create something that might not already exist. 
So then, what does this look like? Well, let's, let's turn to Romans, and this would be a great one for you all to open up in your Bibles. Romans chapter 12. We read verses 9 to 17, but the whole context of, of, of all of verses 9 to 21 are actually pretty important to see what's going on. We, you need verse 9 and you need verse 21. These two verses um, make, and, and here's your free sort of big word of the day, make an inclusio. It's an inclusio, a literary device where, where it's like bookends. You start in one place and you finish in the same place. And that's what Paul is doing here. So in verse 9, he says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. So that's the beginning. And then he closes out this section in verse 21. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but... Overcome evil with good. Do you see that? We go from this verse that says, Abhor what is evil, hold fast is what is good, to this one, overcome evil with the good. An inclusio. So, so this frames everything in between. All the verses in between are emphasizing our call to hold on to the good and to abhor the evil. But if you're really paying attention, you'll notice there's a progression in verse 9, it's, I wouldn't say it's passive, but it's, this, this, it's stationary at least. It's, it's holding on. Just hold on tight to what is good and abhor what is evil. But by the time you get to verse 21, we're not just holding on and abhorring. We are overcoming evil with the goodness of our actions, with the goodness of God working in and through us. And in between is what this looks like. What does it look like to overcome evil with good? Well, it looks like brotherly affection. It looks like showing honor. It looks like having hope and patience. It looks like being constant in prayer and, and, and generous in hospitality. It looks like blessing those who curse us. It looks like living in harmony. It looks like honoring those who would dishonor us. It looks like acting in wisdom. It looks like not repaying evil with evil. How hard is that one? When someone does something that hurts you or wrongs you, what, what is your first reaction sometimes? You can get them back, right? Well, not maybe in a major way, but sometimes you're thinking, you know, what? I can't believe they did that. How do I going to respond? Well, the Bible says don't respond with another evil or hurtful action. And right there in the midst of all of this, right in the middle of this framework, this inclusio, is, is this. Live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with everyone. Be peacemakers. We can't simply be peacekeepers. One can hardly abhor evil, certainly not even overcome evil, by simply trying to minimize conflict and keep the perception of peace. This is an active peacemaking that seeks to bring, into a, bring peace into a situation where it does not presently exist. So we're called to be peacemakers. But what does this look like? Well, the first thing is just to simply ask the question. If, if you've been hurt or if you've been wronged or if you've observed somebody who's, who's hurt somebody else or wronged somebody else, 
we have to make a distinction. How are we going to respond? And, and we generally have two choices as peacemakers. We can either excuse the behavior or we can forgive it. One of these is consistent with peacemaking, the other with peacekeeping. If we simply excuse behavior, if we dismiss it, if we, if we don't um, acknowledge the, the wrongness of it, that's a tactic of keeping the peace, which is not what we're called to do. To be a peacemaker, we have to make this distinction. Am I going to excuse or forgive? And then we have to choose forgiveness. When we um, are teaching our kids to apologize, so sometimes, you know, they get in a little tussle, they get in a little argument or a fight, and one of them would, would inevitably hurt um, the other one. We teach them to apologize, right? I know most of you parents, y'all have taught your kids to say, I'm sorry, to seek reconciliation. Now, what our culture, not necessarily our culture, but somehow, somewhere, we decided the appropriate response to I'm sorry was what? It's okay. Right? Does that, does that come naturally to some of y'all? It, comes, it does to me. If somebody says, I'm sorry, I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. Is it? Is it fine? Is it fine if your kid bops the other kid on the head? That's not okay. It's not fine. And it actually trivializes and minimizes this request for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Well, I'm not going to forgive you because what you did was okay. That's not how it works. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. I forgive you. I, I'm choosing to forgive you. It acknowledges that this behavior, this action was not right. It was wrong. Now, how does this work in the context of our neighborhoods? If you're wrong, the question is, can you, will you forgive? And I'm not talking about going to your neighbor and demanding an apology so that you can forgive him. I'm talking about in your heart, on your own, on your knees, before God, saying, I am going to forgive my neighbor even if they don't care. That's the type of forgiveness we're talking about. And then, once you've done that, once you're at peace with yourself and at peace with what's happened and said, I look, I know this was wrong, I'm going to forgive it, and then it might be that you go and address this with your neighbor and talk to him and say, look, that really hurt. I think that was wrong. But look, you've got to do this forgiveness piece up front because your neighbor might say, I don't care. I don't think it was wrong. And if you've not gone down this path of forgiveness already, that will be devastating. You'll either walk away defeated or you'll get angry and respond in anger. We need the space and the peace in our own hearts that forgiveness gives before we can attempt what I would say is reconciliation. And that's the next step of this, reconciliation. Forgiving someone does not mean you're reconciled to them. There's a difference here. You can forgive somebody and still be, um, still be in, a, in an impaired relationship with them. To fix that, we need to seek reconciliation and so in the book, if you've read The Art of Neighboring, he has this great example where his neighbor had these dogs that were just barking day and night. They wouldn't stop. Um, and, and it was really annoying. And so he walks across the street, he knocks on his neighbor's door, maybe it's next door, he walks next door, knocks on his neighbor's door and says, hey, your dogs are barking. They won't stop. Can you make them stop? The neighbor says, no, not my problem. Doesn't bother me. 
and the author of the book is like, well, what? What do you want me to do? And, and so they leave. So, so he's chosen to forgive his neighbor, but they're certainly not reconciled. How do they get reconciled? Well, if you've read the book, what you realize is that he makes a choice to sacrifice. He says, I'm going to be reconciled to my neighbor. And so they get a heavy snowfall that's covering both of their driveways. He shovels his driveway. You know what? My neighbor didn't offer an apology. He didn't stop his dogs from barking. But you know what I'm going to do in response to that? I'm going to shovel his driveway. That'll show him. (laughs) And he shovels the snow off his driveway. The neighbor's brother comes out and says, thank you for doing that. My brother has cancer. He's been undergoing treatment. He's in rough shape. And so the author takes the next step. Maybe he brings him a meal. And he strikes up a conversation. And he strikes up a friendship. And then all of a sudden, these two that were unreconciled and impaired are brought together as close friends. And it wasn't because the neighbor with the dog said, I'm sorry. It was because the, the author decided to forgive and to seek reconciliation and to do so sacrificially and bring peace into a situation where it did not exist. He was a peacemaker. Now, is every conflict going to be like that? No. Are some things going um, to require more intervention? Yes. This is a very simple example, and and nothing can be um, this cookie cutter. This is how you make peace with your neighbors. But it's this attitude of grace and mercy that lets us be peacemakers. And now if you're wondering, like I often do, like, okay, well, I'm not naturally graceful and I'm not naturally merciful. This is all great and good, but in the heat of the moment, I don't know what I'm going to do. How do we do this? You remember. That's one word. Remember. Remember that each one of us in this room is the original really bad neighbor. We're all terrible neighbors. All of us, we are terrible neighbors to God. God created us. He made us in His image, and we completely rejected that. And we completely do it day in and day out. We are terrible, sinful neighbors. And we deserve God's justice to be poured out on us. Instead, He sent us Jesus. He sent us Jesus. And he sent Jesus proactively. He didn't wait up there and say, okay, well, one of these days they're going to come say I'm sorry and then I can show them how much I love them. No, God sent us Jesus. He died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners is what Romans says. He didn't, he didn't wait until we stopped. We're the original bad neighbors and God forgave us through his son Jesus. He sought reconciliation to us through the cross and resurrection. And so when we are engaging this neighbor and we're like, they're being a really bad neighbor and I don't know what I'm going to do, we need to remember that they are us and that we have been forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that by His Holy Spirit we can show that forgiveness to others. We can live as citizens of a kingdom that's not built on self-preservation but it's built on humility and mercy and love. And when we do that, 
when we are aware of how God made peace with us, we can be peacemakers to those around us.